There was a moment before I walked out on the stage where I was really getting choked up about the fact that this was happening. And it was the first time that I also had been uh, witness to a theater experience, to, to, to a show in that long. And, you know, that's obviously as someone who has been in the theater uh, pretty much my whole life, it was a very meaningful moment. Good morning. This is Epicenter NYC. We connect our communities to news, information, and each other. I'm Andrea Pineda Salgado. As the summer of 2021 progressed, New Yorkers saw their city transform back into something more familiar. At the end of May, the midnight curfew on indoor dining came to an end. Then, in mid-June, Governor Cuomo pulled social distancing requirements and capacity restrictions for most businesses. Finally, after 15 unprecedented months, we saw people return to their favorite restaurants, get back to the gym, and even attend live shows. And just last week, one of New York City's most famous performing groups welcomed theatergoers for the first time since the pandemic began. If you haven't been, the Blue Man Group is a different type of show. Three men painted in blue combine music, dance, comedy, and paint to create a totally unique and interactive environment. An environment that can't be recreated virtually. Today, we talk to Tim O. Miller, the general manager, about what it feels like to be back in front of audiences and what happened to the blue men when their doors shut. Before we begin, a quick message from our friends and sponsors at McKinsey & Company. The Shortlist is a weekly curated sampling of McKinsey's need-to-know stories about work, the economy, and culture. 60% of Black workers live in the South. So I think you are seeing companies start to say, why don't, instead of expecting diverse talent to move to us, why don't we open up a hub in a more diverse location? That's Brian Hancock from the McKinsey Talks Talent Podcast featured in a recent shortlist newsletter. He's discussing the future of work. For more of our best ideas, quick and curated, check out the shortlist at mckinsey.com forward slash shortlist. That's mckinsey.com forward slash shortlist. And thanks. Now, back to the show. Here's my conversation with Tim. Hi, Tim. Thanks so much for making time to talk. Can you start off by quickly introducing yourself to our listeners? Yes, my name is Tim Allmiller, and I am the general manager of Blue Man Group New York at the Astor Place Theater. I am also the head of artistic direction, which oversees all of the shows, both um, in the United States and abroad, and all of the tours as well. And can you talk a little bit more about the Blue Man Group's audience? Um, a lot of people come to see the show, which I think it, the reason it, it fascinates me is because when the show began in the late 80s and early 90s, um, it was definitely considered a downtown New York um, part of the downtown theater scene. It was it was performance art, really, is what it was considered. And in that way, it was kind of fringe, you know, and, and uh, over the years, of course, Blue Man has become sort of very um, popular. It's, it's part of pop culture. There's, there's still references that, um, that happen that, that surprise us all the time in television shows or um, obviously we were a part of Arrested Development, which was a, 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 a big cultural flashpoint um, when that show came out. And it really has an appeal to such a wide audience. I mean, you can 
almost bring anyone to see Blue Man Group, and there is something for them, and there is a very, very high chance that they're going to love it. What about when the pandemic hit? Where did the Blue Man go? Do you remember exactly when you had to shut things down? Ah, uh, well, I mean, everyone went through everyone has their story right everyone has that that moment of realization i think personally i was in denial i think a lot of new yorkers were in denial about the fact that this was actually happening and that we were going to have to uh, change our lives for it or or because of it um because i think new yorkers are such a resilient group of people that you know we're used to so much i mean it, look at the storm on Wednesday night, it was totally mental, but but for the most part, people just kind of, I mean, you know, you, you just go on. I believe that there was, um, it was a very slow awareness of, oh, this is happening, you know, and um, we were just talking about this last night, and when that actual moment was that we realized we were going to have to close the shows. We were messaging about changes to the show and modifications and, you know, safety precautions really up until the last minute when uh, we got the call from, from the boss that said, uh, we have to cancel the shows. And after things shut down, did you try doing things virtually? We did not have any virtual performances. We do have a wonderful social media team. And so we we stayed, you know, we stayed in the, the presence of our fans and, and the community and tried to continue to communicate. But I think that the fundamental sort of core of Blue Man Group is the live experience. It is a unique show in that the experience that is happening is is present. You know, we're not trying to represent another time. The Blue Men are taking the audience through this moment, and we're all experiencing that together. Again, like this collective, right? So the show is finally up and running again. I think Wednesday was your first performance. How did it feel to be back? I'll tell you, when we had our first performance on Wednesday night. It was an invited dress rehearsal. A friend, we call it a friends and family rehearsal. It was a very emotional night. It was also happened to be the night of the hurricane. So there was that added element to it that people arrived in the theater. A lot of people were just drenched. Um, I gave a little curtain speech welcoming everyone and, and saying thank you for braving the weather and, and just reminding everyone that it's a rehearsal. We had um, We hadn't been on stage and 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 run a show in 18 months and it, it, there was a moment before I walked out on the stage where I was really getting choked up about the fact that this was happening and it was the first time that I also had been uh, witness to a theater experience to, to to a show in that long and you know that's obviously as someone who has been in the theater uh, pretty much my whole life it was a very meaningful moment and what about bringing back the blue men was it hard to find people to be a part of the show so basically, when everyone, when all of our shows shut down and everyone sort of went into their own um, chapter of the pandemic, whether that was hibernation, whether that was, uh, you know, hunkering down and, and waiting to see what was going to happen, or whether that was examining whether there was going to be a career change, I think that... Uh, a lot of the performers that we have found over the years have been with the show for, you know, when you find a blue man um, and the blue man finds the show, uh, when a performer finds the show, there is something 
I hesitate to say family-like because I think that all theater has that sense of community and family to it, and that's that's one of the reasons why we do it. But I believe that it's it is a it's a unique thing, right? Um, and so I, I I think that a lot of those blue men, well, all, all of the the blue men that are are part of our Aster cast now were performers before, so that was not something that we had to go out and find brand new people. That is a as I mentioned before, that's quite a process. So that wasn't something that could happen during a pandemic. So we had uh, the, the the luxury of saying to many, many talented performers, hey, would you like to come back and be part of the AstroCast? Did you have to make changes to the show given the fact that COVID's still out there and the Delta variant specifically has a lot of people worried? So the changes to the show were really more about health and safety and, and uh, those sorts of protocols that we were trying to find adapt, I guess, really, things that are, that are in the show without changing too much of the show to make sure that people were feeling safe and that the you know there is an audience participation. Uh, there are several moments of audience participation. We were trying to make sure that people felt safe about those moments. So most of the modifications that happened were fairly, I would say, simple. Um, nothing, you know, there were, there were no massive changes to the show. Do you feel like there were any upsides of what we've gone through over the past year and a half? Oh, wow. That is a interesting question. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's it, it's sort of two sides of the same coin in a way, isn't it? It's it's um, the pros are that everyone was so enthusiastic about the idea of bringing live theater back and of bringing Blue Man Group back. And so there's that sort of aching that you have over the course of this period of time. I mean, I think a lot of people were truly asking whether or not live theater was ever going to come back in quite the way that we would hope or that it was before. And I believe now that there is uh, very strong evidence that, yes, we are going to survive and thrive and, and, and come back with a vengeance. Um, so I think there's that sort of, yeah, that that just passion and fire and excitement that people feel um, that that people want to dig in and that people want to invite audiences and have that experience that you know like I said that collective experience again um, I think some of the cons are as I mentioned also though everyone was going through their own unique thing during this pandemic and some people decided uh, maybe this isn't what I want to do or Maybe I don't want to stay in New York. As we, as New Yorkers, we both know a lot of people left New York. Um, hopefully some of those people will come back or there will be new people that will take their place. But I think that was one of the cons. There were definitely calls that we made to people and they said, yeah, I've, I'm in Vermont now or I'm in you know, upstate New York. And so, so that, was, that was certainly one of the cons of, of, of being out of it for, for such a long period of time, you know. Thank you so much, Tim. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we go? Blue Man Group started in New York, and I think that we are approaching our 30th anniversary this November. And I think that it is it is an, it's a it's a cornerstone of the New York theater scene, of the downtown theater scene. We are internationally known, and we bring something unique to New York. And we are passionate about what we do. 
And um, and we love it when New Yorkers come to the show. I mean, obviously, all theater uh, relies heavily on tourists coming to our shows, which is also amazing. But there is something wonderful about New Yorkers who love Blue Man Group because this is where we started. And we really, really want to uh, continue to honor that history. I was lucky enough to see the show last week, and it was definitely strange to be back in a theater, but in a good way. You could really tell that the people in the audience had been waiting for something like this. They were so enthusiastic and cheered at any moment they could. Perhaps it was because it was their first time back at a theater, but the Blue Man Group deserved all the applause for their creative and wild performance. I won't spoil much, but it was truly unforgettable. We also sat down with Kristen Clifford to learn more about how the pandemic affected individual performers in New York City. Kristen is a feminist performance artist. She's also a writer, curator, professor, actor, and mother. Hi, my name is Kristen Clifford, and I am a performer and writer in New York City. I live in Jackson Heights. I teach at the New School. I curate at Dixon Place. I have two kids. And the biggest challenge that I faced as a performer during the pandemic was just not performing. And I I did not feel there were enough resources available to performers and to the theater in New York um, and to performance artists. I felt like people were just kind of left to Zoom. Um, Early in the pandemic, I would say April 2020, I was driving through the theater district and it was desolate and sad and dark. And then I drove a little and I turned a corner and I was at like 41st Street and 10th Avenue. And there was Andre DeShields from Hadestown. And he was resplendent. And I just yelled out the window, oh my God, I love you. You should be on stage. And really, I just, I yelled out the window and then I started crying. I thought that man, the reason he is on this earth is to be on stage. And he's not at this very moment. And it made me cry. I think artists are essential workers. I'm not saying that people who are in the arts are the same as the cashiers and the nurses that kept us alive. But I am saying that artists are so important to recover, rebuild, and inspire New Yorkers. So I think artists are intrinsic to the effort to recover, rebuild, and inspire New York. And New Yorkers, after a few years, we need to see art again. We need to see performance. We need to feel safe enough to see performance. I have lived in New York City since I was 17, 18, and I'm 50. So I've lived in New York my whole adult life. I lived in Williamsburg for 15 years. I... I feel like I grew up in Williamsburg. I was a, a still a teenager when I moved there. Af, right after, right out of the first year of dorms, I moved to Williamsburg, and then I and I had my first child there. My my breakups, my everything kind of young happened in Williamsburg, and then I moved to Jackson Heights. I lived in Williamsburg for about fifteen years, and then I moved to Jackson Heights, and now I've been in Jackson Heights for over fifteen years. And we moved to Jackson Heights because it was beautiful, and we had friends who lived here, and we loved it. We also asked Kristen about her favorite New York City sounds. Sound in New York has been so interesting during the pandemic. Those early days, everything was so quiet. Oh, it was so weird without the subways running all the time and it was just no cars. It was so quiet. 
And now it's coming back. And I think one of my favorite New York sounds is the ding, ding, telling you to take your seats at the theater. I love that sound, whether it's at a Broadway theater or at Lincoln Center going to the ballet and you hear that sound and you know you have to get back in your seats or even just the announcement at a downtown small theater saying, turn off your phones. That excitement right before a show starts, that is my favorite sound in New York. That is my favorite, favorite sound. You can read more about Kristen's work by using the link in our show notes. As Kristen said, performers and all kinds of artists are an important part of rebuilding. For many of our neighbors, it's art that gives them hope, gives them inspiration, or simply takes their mind off things. But the artists we look up to have had their own struggles throughout the pandemic. That's why at Epicenter, we're committed to highlighting local artists. So make sure to sign up for our newsletter to discover and support our talented neighbors each week. And if you are an artist yourself, we want to hear from you. Visit epicenter-nyc.com artists. That's all for today. Thanks for tuning in. Our intro music is All the Pretty Horses by Karavika. You can find more of their music on their website linked to in our podcast description.